0: Hi everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Rita Katona, co-founder of So Good, So You. So Good, So You is a functional juice company that sells these little juice bottles that are made to serve your daily needs of energy, sleep, and immunity. But in addition to nutrition, They've baked the values of sustainability into the mission and business model from day one. And in the episode, Rita and I will discuss her transition from corporate leader at HSN and Target to startup founder at So Good So You, setting up the supply chain from their 100% renewable energy powered manufacturing facility to their stalwart pioneering bottle, the Better Bottle. We'll also explore what it takes to actually launch a juice company to existence, and furthermore, what the moonshot is for a company like So Good So you. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Rita Katona, co-founder of So Good So You. Rita, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Peter. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Rita, let's start with the basics. What is So Good So you?
1: Yeah. So Good So You is a plant-based functional beverage company that I founded with my husband six years ago now. And we make these incredible uh, organic probiotic wellness shots that are made of cold-pressed juice. And each one of them delivers a specific functional benefit. They're, they can be found in 47 states in over 4,000 stores nationwide now. Um, amazing stores like Publix, uh, Target, Sprouts and many other regional retailers. And our company was founded on the mission, the values that are encapsulated in our tagline, which is for the love of body and planet, because we believe that every decision that a person makes in terms of what they purchase and the products they use, what they put into their body, what they eat, all impacts their health and the health of our planet.
0: So before we dive into So Good, So You, I'd love to connect the dots by rewinding. And as I told you before the interview, I'm always interested in the bios about my guests. And your bios starts by saying that you are a reformed corporate retail leader. Can you unpack this and help the listeners understand what predates the So Good, So You journey?
1: prior to starting So Good So You, I was following a a traditional uh, corporate career path. So I got my degree in international business with a marketing focus and started working at the Home Shopping Network, HSN, and worked my way up very quickly there and was the health and nutrition buyer, which is a very large category at the company. Then was recruited by Target and did the same thing there, moved around into various different merchandising, buying roles, then into sourcing. When I left Target, I was actually running teams in five different countries that all uh, worked directly with factories, sourcing products that was exclusive to Target. And what I mean by reformed corporate leader is that I had always secretly dreamed of starting my own company and building something from scratch and doing something that I was really passionate about and had a lot of, of control in the growth um, and the path of that business and the longer that i stayed in my corporate roles the harder it became to that because i i kept getting promoted and i i was enjoying what i was doing but they call it a golden bird cage um, it becomes scarier and seems riskier the longer that you do that to step away and give up getting a paycheck every two weeks mm-hmm. and give up that assurance and that certainty and that safety net that you have a a, a traditional J-O-B. Mm-hmm. But now that I've done it six years, it's really the rush of making the change was thrilling. I love what I'm doing. My husband is is alongside me every step of the way. He actually encouraged me to make this this leap. It's been more rewarding than anything that I've done.
0: Mm-hmm. The truism of the leap is just so real and it's that part and that junction of the founder story that tends to interest me most because there's so many whys around what ultimately compels someone to do so in your case what was the eureka moment and what maybe culmination of events convinced you that now was the time to take the leap into your own endeavor
1: That's a great question. And it's not necessarily one incident or or necessarily a eureka moment that happened, but it was part of my own personal journey as I uh, learned more and more about the connections between what I ate and the decisions that I made and the impact that they had in the world, the impact that they had on my body. It first started very personally. Like, I, I realized that when I ate a more plant based diet, I felt better. (laughs) So the things that that I ate, how they they impacted my mood and just my physical well-being. And then I started looking into more about the impact of the things that I ate on the environment and the things that I bought and how I lived my life on the environment. And as I learned more about specifically plant-based functional foods and how powerful plants are and how there was this whole world that opened up to me that I never knew about before, I really got into juicing um, and realized how incredibly beneficial incorporating fresh produce, juices, plant-based functional ingredients into your diet can be for people, but how daunting and not accessible that seems because you have to go and buy a bunch of produce. It takes up a bunch of room in your refrigerator. Buying a juicer itself is expensive. It Mm -hmm. takes up a bunch of room in your kitchen. Um, then it's noisy, it's messy, it's time-consuming, and so the reality is, I think probably next to the bread maker, juicer is the the least used kitchen appliance that people have if they have one. And it, <laughs> the things started to coalesce for me where I I thought this is a time for uh, a product or a brand that makes this convenient and accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And my husband is really a serial entrepreneur, so. It's in his blood, the the running and building his, his own company. So he really was instrumental in encouraging me to be open to that different type of lifestyle of living the startup life.
0: That's so crazy. And I think what's particularly interesting is some founders, maybe they get inspired by a problem and they start doing research on how to solve it. In your case, you were effectively your own Customer initially, you started juicing, oh, yeah. and your body started feeling better. But how do you connect the dots between your own personal inclination towards this type of food and now mass producing, you know, product number one? Mm-hmm. What what does that look like? And then what is ultimately the first product that comes from the So Good So You brand?
1: Yeah, so. I was the the well being captain at Target when I was doing the corporate thing, and so people would come to me all the time and and ask me about food tips and like they were training for something but wanted to incorporate more plant based um, foods into their life and were dealing with health issues and like what had I read or what what where could I point them in the direction? I saw that there was this need and this trend. And, and even a movement starting of people really taking this matter of their own personal health into their own hands, and they were looking for a resource of information, but also looking for products that they could incorporate into their very busy lives. And so the, the very first product line that we launched was actually a large format, 16-ounce cold-pressed juice. But that very quickly evolved to what is now um, this emerging and exploding category of the functional juice shots. And 30 months ago, this category didn't even exist. And now it's close to a $100 million category by all estimates, specifically the refrigerated juice shots that are made of fresh cold pressed juices. And then if we look at the, the total like non-refrigerated category, which we don't play in, it's a several hundred million dollar category.
0: So uh, a couple questions there, because I, I will tell you, I, I do have the same kind of entrepreneurial DNA that you and your husband have. And I went down this wormhole around juicing for a little bit last year. And one of the things that, I really could not figure out how to solve is the waste problem. And Mm -hmm. yes, it it is in many ways unavoidable. But I
1: think... You're talking about the pulp?
0: There's pulp, but also you have the packaging. And it's it's, it's unsolvable because in juicing specifically, there's a ton of requirements around safety and the actual lifetime of the product. But you, Mm -hmm. what's interesting about So Good So You is you've thought about these challenges from the first mile. Absolutely. Maybe speak a little bit about what waste has meant and the kind of different types of impacts from an environmental perspective that you've thought about solving from day one and how that's manifested in different manufacturing and packaging decisions you've distilled into, into the So Good So You brand.
1: Yeah, so from the get go, every single decision that we make is always put through the filter of sustainability and is there a more sustainable solution? And many times we are paying premiums in order to make the right decision for the planet. Now, I very much recognize, and this is from my corporate background, that Any premium that is built into this process, we cannot be passing that on to the consumer in terms of charging a premium for it. Mm -hmm. I, I feel very strongly that if we want to make it easy for consumers to make the right decision and choose to put their money where their values are, we have to make that easy and not ask them to pay for a premium. For a while, I was the the paper buyer for the school and office department at Target. And even though every research consumer study that we did, consumers told us that they would pay a premium for recycled paper, that didn't actually manifest. And so that's something that I take to heart, that we have to make it easy for consumers to make the right decision. And whether it's marketing materials or business cards or signage that goes in stores, we try to find... Uh, the most eco-friendly materials and recycled and recyclable and all the way to, I'll talk about packaging last, but as part of our manufacturing process, how raw materials get moved around our manufacturing facility, because we actually did the hard route. So rather than finding a, a contract manufacturer to make products for us, we actually set up our own manufacturing facility and learned how to wow. make the product. And there also has to be if you want to distribute the product and make it safe for people to drink, there has to be a kill step. And in cold pressed juice, that kill step needs to be something that does not involve heat. So typically juices 10, 12 years ago, any juice that you would buy, including much of the juices that are on the market still are heat pasteurized. And that unfortunately Mm -hmm. kills a lot of the nutrients in the juice. And it also drastically changes the flavor profile and the mouthfeel. Thankfully, this technology called High pressure processing, which it uses ice cold water and high pressure to kill bacteria that might make uh, somebody sick and might make the product not safe. This is the process that we incorporated into our manufacturing as well, but it's a, a time consuming and a very expensive process. And that using that process also drove what type of packaging we could use, because you actually put your finished package product so the juices inside the bottle like fully labeled fully contained that finished product the last step that happens is it goes through this high pressure processing um, machine and it gets it's basically like a hyperbaric chamber that the finished goods get put into ice cold water is pumped in and so the the package has to be flexible, which necessitated that like we could never explore something like glass because uh, glass would potentially shatter under mm-hmm. that amount of pressure, which is like 86,000 PSI equal to miles and miles under the ocean amounts of pressure. But it actually, when we get into more packaging, we can talk about how glass, which mo- most glass in the US ends up in landfills, is actually not sustainable and it it ends up staying in the landfill for up to a million years, as opposed to hundreds of years for plastic and the ecological footprint of shipping around a much heavier package also is something to be considered. But we went down this wormhole of exploring all of these different types of of packaging before we landed on what up to to this year was always using hundred percent post-consumer recycled and recyclable packaging. And at that point, that was the best, absolute best type of, of package that we could use for our product, which was a convenience product that is distributed all over the country and is helping people be healthier in a way that is also good for the environment. Mm-hmm. We also run a completely, what is labeled a zero waste manufacturing facility, running completely on renewable energy. And... By zero waste, we mean we divert 94% of the waste that we generate in the facility away from landfills. So we compost any byproduct of the juicing process. Of course, we recycle, we reuse, and we went through the self-assessment that allows us to be designated a zero waste manufacturing facility. But our biggest innovation to date has been this new bottle that we've launched, the Better Bottle.
0: Wow. Rita, before we dive into the Better Bottle, I just want to tip my hat and also put out a formal request for the Rita Bible on how to do (laughs) all the above. Because I'm telling you, especially with this next generation of food entrepreneurs that do have these type of ethical values and philosophies around sustainability. But then actually, how do you manifest that into an operation of this nature would benefit a ton from this information. But I think even more, and we can discuss this later, juice of all food and beverage categories is one of the hardest to pull off. The second you package that thing, the timer starts Right. And HPP is great because it extends the lifetime of these products, the expiration dates quite a bit. But still, it's really hard to deliver and deal with all this inventory before juicing products that have inherent lifetimes expire. So I want to I want to discuss that later. But before we get there, (laughs) this better bottle thing is so cool. What is better bottle?
1: Sure. Better bottle is our biggest innovation for the planet to date. And it is, it looks and feels the same as our, our current plastic bottle or our, sorry, our previous plastic bottle, because Better Bottle is actually in market now. We started shipping it in June. It has this polymer additive to the plastic that gets added at the process, at the pro extrusion step of the packaging process that allows for the package to break down at an accelerated rate in landfills and i did have an aha moment with our packaging because from the get go the packaging was the elephant in the room in terms of sustainability for us and the best that we could do at the at the time that we launched and up to this point has been 100% post consumer recycled plastic however we kept on searching for something better knowing that the future in hopefully a short few years will be something that is completely a plant-based plastic and is completely ocean biodegradable. But that technology is not commercially viable yet. People are working on it. But Mm -hmm. my biggest advice to anybody would be you have to start somewhere. And so do the best that you can at that time. And that's the better bottle. So through our ongoing research of when is something better going to be available, we found this technology of this additive that can get added to, to plastic. And we're actually the first to introduce it in the beverage category. And it's awesome. We're like this little, (laughs) Little guy, we're not Coca Cola or Pepsi. And hopefully the big guys follow suit as well. But what we learned um, in my aha moment was actually on a beach in Mexico, a beach that I visit and is near and dear to my heart. Over the last 10 years, I was walking down the the, the beach recently or a couple of years ago and just was noticing more and more (laughs) trash washing up onto the shore, which again made me think about our packaging. And we dove even more aggressively into this research and why I'm so excited to talk about this. But the reality is 90% of plastic in the US ends up in landfills because our recycling system is unfortunately broken. And as of a couple of years ago, we stopped exporting our recyclables to China. So we have an even bigger problem. So landfills are filling up at an accelerated rate and the plastic trash that doesn't get reused and the, the 90% that also doesn't end up getting properly recycled ends up in landfills where it sits for hundreds of years. And so this really sparked the idea of it's not, while it's not perfect because it's not ocean biodegradable, knowing that plastics end up in landfills a majority of the time This technology allows for an accelerated degradation of our better bottle in a landfill environment. So it's not something that you can throw in your backyard and it will biodegrade in, in a backyard compost. It specifically needs a commercial landfill environment, but in a commercial landfill environment, It breaks down to water, soil, and carbon-based gases, which then get recycled in the landfill and turned into clean energy, which is also great. Uh, But in the first year, the research shows, the third-party study showed that the better bottle breaks down over 30% in the first year alone. And so that's a massive improvement over several hundreds of years, which is what typical plastic takes to break down.
0: First of all, this is so freaking cool. I think your philosophy around we need to be realistic uh, on two fronts. One, what are legitimate customer behaviors, right? Like you started off by saying juicing is hard. (laughs) Like a lot of people don't have the time, don't know how to do it. And uh, the fact of the matter is people will always prefer – To get something off the shelf that meets their nutritional needs but still satisfies that convenience box. So if we assume that's true, then the necessary next step is, okay, now what can we do to provide the most responsible and I would say sustainability-forward solution available with that particular characteristic in mind? And Better Bottle is paving the way for that. Do you know, and I'd be curious to see how you think about this, because I I also think this is a a pretty significant competitive differentiation. If I'm a customer and I see juice shots and one has the Better Bottle technology and the other doesn't, (laughs) it's a pretty pretty easy decision. Do you think that this is something that you say, you know what, this is like our competitive differentiator. We're going to double down on it. Do you open source that type of thing? Are other companies following suit? Like, how do you think about that particular dynamic? And what have you heard in the general, in your community, from the founder perspective on other companies starting to layer in and loop in this type of technology into their packaging?
1: Yeah. So we have not heard, actually, that um, any of our, our competitors in this space are looking at something like this. We obviously have gotten a head start on it, but would Mm -hmm. ultimately what we want is everybody to be making decisions and have their own sustainability initiatives. And so Mm -hmm. nothing would make me happier than Coca-Cola and Pepsi jumping on board and let's talk, don't even get me started on bottled water. (laughs) That's that's, that's the biggest opportunity and I hope that they will follow suit Mm -hmm. and not wait until that this future like ocean biodegradable plastic is available because I, I think there's something we can do now that's better. And that's one of my biggest learnings. And as mm-hmm. you, you just mentioned that all of these issues can be really daunting and especially something like climate change and and the plight of our planet can be such an overwhelming concept for especially an individual. What can I do? I'm just like one little person. But the reality is that we want people to embrace that. Yes, you can do things like every little choice that you make, whether you buy a bottle of water when you're traveling, or you just make sure that it is ingrained in you and a habit that you're always carrying around a a reusable water bottle. So you don't have to buy a plastic single use uh, bottle. Every decision matters, and we want to make it easy for people to make the right decision every time. Mm -hmm. There are certainly some competitors that are leaning into different things. We mentioned glass before. Sadly, glass, 70% of glass, ends up in landfills in the US and doesn't get recycled. So it's a little bit better statistic than plastic, but still over half of that type of packaging ends up in a landfill. And that statistic is really startling. And that's regardless of proper recycling. So all of the separating and everything that we as consumers do, it's actually really disheartening to think that, oh, I thought I I was doing something good here. Mm -hmm. And so we were really excited about the Better Bottle as a solution because it requires Zero change in consumer behavior. They use the product and interact with it in exactly the same way that they did before. And if it gets, if it does get properly recycled, the better bottle is still recyclable and doesn't have an impact on that recycling stream. Um, mm-hmm. So, in in that event, fantastic. But in the event, which is much more likely that it ends up in a landfill, it is a much much improved end-of-life result for that packaging than if the bottle were not this new better bottle technology.
0: That resonates so much. Uh, before we zoom out to climate more broadly and what the future looks like for So Good So You, I want to help aspiring food entrepreneurs understand what it takes to launch something into the market. And I think... Again, juice has got to be one of the hardest categories to nail, right? <laughs> Anything that has to do with fresh is like, why would you do this to yourself? Yeah. this torture. Yeah, you're right. You're so, right. <laughs> when you were starting and considering all the ways that you could introduce this into people's lives, did you say, you know what? We'll do a, a limited supply run and only launch online then scale as you get into retail. How did you think about the very first mile of launching this into existence?
1: Sure, I'm gonna be perfectly honest uh, with you and listeners. If I had pieced all, put all of the puzzle pieces together around the complexity of this, I don't know if I would have started it. So it was a a little bit of ignorance and and bliss. And I think all like true entrepreneurs have to have a little bit of that. I don't know if it's hubris, but certainly eternal optimism and a little bit of insanity that Mm -hmm. like you're gonna overcome it all. Because Mm -hmm. without that, the challenges that you encounter they're real and like can really knock you down over and over again. And so being able to be resilient and having this mindset that you're going to figure it out is something that is critical to be a successful and a happy entrepreneur. But to get to actually answering your, your question, initially we started with a smaller manufacturing facility than, than we're in right now. But in order to, actually make a difference and get the product to as many people as possible. Like We started regionally and we started in partnership with some yoga studios in um, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And so they were our initial first wholesale relationship. And then very quickly from there, we moved into uh, regional grocery stores. We also were selling online, but yeah, it, we had to get to a point where knowing that you have a minimum amount of investment to get a production facility up and running and to be able to get mm-hmm. the type of volume costing that makes sense for your business model. We had to ramp up and get to a certain scale very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just, I like, I, I feel your pain so much. My, my good friend's run a alcoholic ice pop brand called punch pops and just hearing about all the puzzle pieces the nice thing about that product is the shelf life is a year plus
1: yeah it's frozen (laughs) yeah
0: then you think about juice and it's oh my god you're gonna invest in all this inventory and then you have x amount of dates to turn it over just oh god bless you and the team stall that's all i gotta say
1: Here's the good thing. Demand solves all of those problems. So when you have the right product market fit, which we have with our amazing probiotic wellness shots, the velocity, which is the demand from consumers, solves all of that. We've been extremely fortunate. And and it took a couple of years to get to that point to find this is the home run product line. This is resonating with consumers. It's the right time. There was already this massive trend um, or movement of consumers embracing food is medicine, proactive health management, and then COVID hit, which made people even more aware of their health and taking care of themselves and connecting what they were putting into their body with their immunity and, and if they got sick or not, like what that response and result would be. And so... This is not going away. If anything, it has absolutely accelerated. So the, mm-hmm. this idea of proactive health management is here to stay. And we are here for it with our, our powerful plant-based functional shots.
0: I got to say too, I love the thinking around the packaging, not just the better bottle, the the technical specs. But if you look at the design, it's a really funny juxtaposition of pill bottles, which is obviously like apples to apples associated with your health and medicine. And right. I I love what you've done with this packaging here, because people for years have come to learn that this form factor is associated with health. And now it's it's a repurposed in this beautiful, but in a way that feels native and something that you've learned over your whole life. But now it's, it's this delicious and super healthy, and nutritious shot. It's just super smart thinking around that packaging. Was this something that you thought of or thought about from day one? Was this like a, an iteration two, three? What happened on that front?
1: No, so actually that packaging was very intentional and hasn't changed since we launched this product line. We've maybe played around with what size the font is, where it says a billion probiotics, CSUs <laughs> and, and uh, how we're calling out the specific functional ingredient, like powered by ginger, but having that exact form factor of uh, kind of a, a wink at a pill bottle that was very intentional, and then certainly our green heart logo and brand name, "So Good So You," is is meant to uh, create a warm and fuzzy feeling. That this is a product that is going to make you feel good, both physically, but also hopefully as people learn about our ethos and what's important to us, our company values, that also makes them feel good that they are supporting a company that aligns with. Their values as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it so much. Rita, can I pitch you an idea and you give me your bullish or bearish take? Of course. (laughs) A framework or more of a positioning that has resonated a a ton with me over the last few years is this notion of ugly. And we've seen ugly produce manifest with Misfits Market, with imperfect foods, right? They're saying, hey, I'll take all this neglected perfectly great produce that's going to be thrown away and package it up and sell it to customers at a discount. It's still as nutritious, but what I've noticed specifically in the world of your standard juices, like your carton of OJ, your carton of grapefruit juice, is there a world or a future where an ugly juice brand can exist, right? Where you have ugly OJ Ugly apple juice, and the entire ethos of the brand is juices <laughs> made from ugly fruit. And I, I will caveat that by saying my hunch is that a lot of juice brands use imperfect produce in their supply chain. But uh, uh, what do you think about the high level? And I guess two is this actually commonplace? Is this like a lot of are a lot of juice brands already using imperfect produce in their supply chains?
1: Yeah, so great question. And I was about to say, oh man, I hope I'm not, I'm going to burst, I'm about to burst his bubble. But your thinking is actually, (laughs) your thinking is spot on, Peter, because here's the reality in food manufacturing and not just juice, in all food manufacturing, imperfect produce is what is used. That is standard Mm -hmm. operating procedure. Because the reality mm-hmm. that so there's like a, a grading system of, of, of produce mm-hmm. and the top like AB quality produce, that's why it's at Whole Foods and not just Whole Foods, but that's what ends up in your grocery store produce department. And depending on how high end your grocer is, they may have more beautiful produce than than a mm-hmm. more value player but those are still considered top of the line produce and Mm -hmm. the ugly imperfect produce is what goes into food manufacturing. So there's really very little true waste that exists in terms of that ecosystem of Mm -hmm. produce, because anything that isn't shelf pretty is chopped up and frozen. It's made into tomato sauce. It's made in, mm-hmm. into a, a frozen product. It, it's processed into juice. So does that answer your question?
0: It does. I think the thing that fascinates me most, and actually, I'm not sure if it would work with juice. Like, I love the positioning opportunity of saying, we are ugly OJ and we stand for X. When you buy your Tropicana, yeah. like like they're not making some type of ethical, they're not putting their yeah. flag in the ground. But come to think of it as a customer, if you're buying OJ, you're buying juice, like you're not buying because it's imperfect produce. You're buying because it's good for you. You're going to buy.
1: That's true. I I, I mm-hmm. do think like it's certainly a marketing opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it's a marketing opportunity that, like, it, as you pierce the veil or look behind the curtain, it's, oh, is that really a problem that was needing <laughs> to be solved? Yeah. Or was that already, yeah, mm-hmm. is, is that more marketing hype?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I will, I will say that I, I quickly squashed that idea, put it to my idea graveyard pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> what I'd love to learn more about before we segue to to the last few questions of the interview is the moonshot for So Good, So You, right? In in a few years, the stars align. What do, what's the moonshot for So Good, So You? What are maybe some exciting uh, upcoming products in the pipeline or really? What's the moonshot for So Good, So You?
1: Currently, we're a leader in this functional shot space in terms of the the premium player we have about 25% market share but our goal is to continue to grow and continue to be in this leading position but really what that translates to for me on a very personal level is getting mil- tens of millions of people incorporating these products into their everyday life and in order to do that, we are constantly innovating and talking to our community about what functions are important to them. Are they looking for different flavors? Are there functional ingredients that have um, new research? Because we always want to lean on data and information and science to uh, make sure that we are creating products that actually work, that we're not just sprinkling little amounts of something that had an interesting headline um, a couple of months ago, but we're using products that are efficacious and work, but also are delicious. So consumers will use them. And so uh, our our goal is just to, to continue to plow forward and to build a massive community of users who embrace this idea that plants are powerful, that they can use food as medicine, and that they matter as an individual and that the decisions that they make matter including doing the research on the companies and the brands they support and ensuring that those brands have transparent sustainability policies that align with their personal values
0: sign me up sign me <laughs> read that that is so amazing. I, I can't wait to follow you along the ride. My last question, and it's my favorite of ever, every interview, it's this notion of the idea graveyard. Everyone has maybe a long or maybe a short list of ideas, maybe in their notes app that <laughs> maybe one day they said, oh, this is the next trillion, trillion dollar idea. And then the next day you're just like, ah, that was crappy. Or <laughs> conversely, like you would love to work on it. You just don't have the time to do. So my question for you is, what are one of these ideas that you would love to work on if you had the time, but are just rotting away in your idea graveyard?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest one in my idea graveyard is, is an example of the latter, where I think it's, it's something relevant and great, we just don't have time to work on it yet. And it's this idea of actually publishing a book and it would be called our company tagline for the love of body and planet and mm-hmm. really encapsulating in a beautiful kind of coffee book, but information packed medium, everything that I've tried to share in this podcast, everything that we are about as a company in terms of the Plant based uh, lifestyle, in terms of the choices from big to small that everybody can make, in terms of swaps in their lifestyle that can make them more sustainable and closer to a zero footprint or even a carbon positive footprint lifestyle, recipes, all of those things. And that's something that has come up seriously from like year two of us having the company, but it's one of those things that continues to be deprioritized and put very low <laughs> on like very back burner. Yeah. Um, but maybe one of these days, but the, the, the reason that I, I love the idea is because it's about getting our story out there, reaching more people, inspiring more people and really letting um, people embrace this idea that this big concept of climate change and protecting the environment, while they can be very daunting, overwhelming, you can take steps every single day, every time you pick up a fork, every time you go to the grocery store, every time you make a purchase online, by having the planet in mind, you can make decisions that make a difference. There's very few decisions that we make today that have a neutral impact. We have an opportunity with every decision to have a positive or a negative impact and Mm -hmm. really hitting that point
0: home with people. Rita, I love this so much. I know I mentioned this in the meat of the interview, but putting down all of the above, Right, the process of starting up, how you thought about solving all these challenges, setting up your supply chain, and then maybe all of the 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 recipes and things that enable the community you've built from day one. Like I I will pre-order that the second you announce it to the world. <laughs> There's nothing left to do but roll out the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, hiring needs? announcements, anything you want to leave with our listeners, the floor is yours.
1: Awesome. Thank you. So um, totally transparent. We're growing like crazy. So we're always looking for people that align with our values and especially uh, on the sales and marketing side. That's where our teams are seeing the most need and the most growth. So I welcome people reaching out via LinkedIn and connecting, particularly sales and marketing professionals, and would love to network. Also looking to network with other like-minded people in the business world in terms of uh, supply chain and packaging, because we can only do so much. Like We're still very much uh, a small startup and there's only so many team members. And so we can only do so so much research, but we're always looking for ways to be better. And along those lines, the final thing that I want to leave the podcast with is a call to action for everybody to embrace this idea of not letting perfection stand in the way of progress. Because again, it can be very daunting to try to solve massive problems like the damage to our environment and climate change, but we can be better. We can make choices that are better and move the needle and every little bit helps. Every person makes a difference. Every choice that every one of us makes on a daily basis adds up and can make a difference.
0: Amen to that. You heard it here, folks. So So good. Sogoodsoyou.com. Rita, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was such a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Peter.
0: Hey there. You made it to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. We're actively casting for new guests on our show. So if you have a rock star founder or company in mind that's working on something cool, message me on Instagram at Peter A. Levin or email us hello at ingothands.us. Thank you so much again and look forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.